Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. Okay, so if you've never heard of Farmer Friday before, here's how it works. We take your calls and your agronomic questions all throughout the show. 844-44-AG-PHD is the number if you want to call in. If you call in, we're going to take your question. Also, if you've got something you want to send us, a picture, a soil test, anything like that, uh, you can follow up with a phone call too if you'd like, but you can send it to our email radio at agphd.com. We got a few we're going to go through that are already in today. Got a couple we didn't get to earlier this week as well. We want to try and try and get into today. Brian, anything you want to say before we get started? Yep, it's time for the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. <laughs> All right. So first question. This one comes from Matt in Illinois. Question, pre-burn down on Enlist E3 soybeans. I'm wondering, what are our best options to control water hemp? Here's what we were thinking of doing. We were going to use some 2,4-D along with Roundup and a group 15. Then post-emerge, just wondering what you would follow up with if we went with the group 15 with that pre-emerge burn down. Would you recommend something else other than the 2,4-D and the Roundup? Would you... Do you have other options? We're in central Illinois. We've had non-GMO beans in the past. We'll be honest, we need to get things cleaned up a little bit from some past water hemp escapes, so heavy pressure. Okay, so no, that is not the best program to run. What I would do is the three pre's we talk about on a fairly regular basis. That's either trifluralin, uh, if you're in tillage, or if you were going to, I'd even do it in no-till, Darren, if I was going to get a rain half an hour from now. Uh, but otherwise, it's prowl. So it's trifluralin or prowl. You do that, number one. Number two, Metribuzin. And number three, you use either Valor or Authority. Now, the Valor or Authority, those are the PPOs, those are the best on water hemp. Metribuzin's close behind. But even Trifluralin or Prowl is really good and better than a Group 15. Plus, all three of these are safer to those beans than your Group 15 pre. I like Group 15's early post. So if you tell me, hey, I get a weed disaster and I want to make absolutely sure i have the best control and yeah it's nice that you have enlist beans so you can do your 24d pre or post you can use liberty post you can still spray roundup out there that's all great but i don't know when you're going to get this planted and i i'll just put it to you this way half the time when we plant beans on well maybe not half but probably 25 percent of the time when we plant beans on our farm we don't even have to do a burn down with roundup or 24d because we're planting so early the weeds aren't even up yet well if the weeds aren't up yet then don't waste your money on the 24d and roundup then if they're up then obviously yes you can throw those things in but metribuzin has burn down activity valor and authority have burn down activity okay so that that's really going to help you but yeah i would absolutely do that and by the way price of metribuzin came down Authority and Valor are cheaper, and Trifluralin and Prowl are cheaper. So when I add this all up, I go, oh, I don't want to spend a lot of money, but you know what? If I do Trifluralin, Metribuse, and Valor, or Authority, I'm spending like 10 bucks after rebates. 10 bucks. It's it's not much. If you have to go Prowl, yeah, it's going to cost you six or eight bucks more than the Trifluralin, but still, you're going to have three great pre-emerge herbicides, all very excellent on water hemp, for under $20 total. 
So that's what I would do pre, then early post. If you want to do like a group 15 plus some flex star, or let's say you went uh, Anthem, uh, Anthem Max or Warrant Ultra, that gives you group 15 and a PPO. Either way, now you've got five herbicides out, four modes of action, and you've spent less than 25 bucks an acre. You know, there, there are so many programs and deals out there too. I agree with you, Brian, that it's not going to be as expensive as you think. And if somebody tells you, oh, it's going to be terribly expensive, talk to somebody else because you can get the best options out there for not very much money this year. It's, that's for sure. Okay. Got this one from our friend Diego down in Argentina. In our strip till fields, I'm wondering, should we start soil sampling deeper? Because we are placing some NP and K deeper, or are you still doing random testing between the rows? Yes, I would say, well, wait, the random testing between the rows has nothing to do with the depth. Okay, I would still do the random testing, yes, but the but the depth, if you're placing fertilizer at 8 inches, I'd probably be testing down to 8 inches or maybe 10 inches or 12 inches. If you're placing fertilizer at 8 and you're only soil testing down to 6, then you're going to miss some of that stuff. So if it was me, would I go a little bit deeper? Yes. Oh, and by by deeper, I just mean instead of a zero to six, I'm doing a zero to eight. Okay. A lot of people do a zero to eight. You could also make it a zero to 10 or a zero to 12. That's up to you. All right. Thanks for the question. Got this one from Mark in Nebraska. He said, I was wondering if the elemental sulfur that's in thio, ammonium thiosulfate takes too long to break down and if I should be putting on ammonium sulfate or calcium sulfate to get plant available sulfur out early in the season rather than waiting for elemental sulfur to come available later? Great question. How much is he using, though? Uh, Mark does not say, so Mark, you may have to follow up with us on that. But uh, if, okay. Wait, wait, well, what well, product that, was he using again? What did you say? Well, I it was, uh, Mark had left a phone message and they had, oh. tr- they had okay, tried so to Okay, so we don't so know for sure. He's All wondering right. about elemental sulfur versus using ammonium yeah, sulfate but, or gypsum. Yep. If those sulfur sources that are already in the sulfate form yeah. would be available a lot quicker well, they early are. in the season. They are available earlier, but I thought you said ammonium thiosulfate. And I'm like, well, that's sulfate, not well, elemental sulfur. I think sulfur. that might have been our error just trying to translate Yeah, that's that okay. Up. So let's just talk about elemental sulfur versus sulfate. In terms of how quickly that elemental elemental sulfur comes available, here are the things you can look at. Number one, if it's a dry, how small is that particle size? The finer the material, the faster it'll come available. Number two, do you have great drainage and good soil life? If you have lots of air in your soil and good soil life, the bacteria will make that conversion for you faster rather than slower. And then the next thing is obviously heat because the bacteria are more active the warmer it is. So if you're in a warm climate, you have um, good soil life and great drainage, and you have a very fine particle size, that elemental sulfur will come available fairly soon. But if you're worried about it, hey, crops need lots of sulfur, put a little sulfate out along with the elemental sulfur, and that'll solve your problem. Well, stay tuned. We'll get to your phone calls right after this. It's about time. Applied at Planning, new Zyway 3D fungicide from FMC delivers foliar disease protection from planting to harvest. Active ingredient Flutriophil moves from the soil through the corn as it grows for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. For season-long protection, choose first-of-its-kind Enfurrow Zyway 3D fungicide. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. 
The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels in variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Back, it's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. I was just kind of getting ready some more of the email questions that are coming in. Some really good ones coming in today. It's going to be fun digging into those a little bit. Again, if you want to send us an email, it's radio at agphd.com. Otherwise, just give us a phone call today. Brian and I are, are really excited to take your calls and questions, talk about what's going on on your farm. And the phone lines are open at 844 844- 44 ag phd uh, let's head down to louisiana we've got cedric on with us cedric how are you doing today really good to hear from you doing good how are you Darren? we're doing well we're doing well kind of excited about christmas coming up right around the corner uh you got big plans around the around the holiday season no not this year um most of the kids are staying uh they're where they live so uh we doing everything low key low key this year yeah, we're going to be kind of low key this year too, which which isn't all bad. I don't I don't mind that. In fact, I was just talking to a, a farmer who was telling me that that Santa Claus might come at a different time than on the exact prescribed day. <laughs> I said that's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. Got to do what you got to do. Uh, so, what's happening on your farm, or what are you what are you thinking about today, Cedric? Uh, not too much. Uh, just uh, checking in with you guys and letting you know uh, we're going into the maintenance side of things now. Uh, since the you know everybody's got done with all the hanging we've done this past year, um, so we like cleaning equipment and that kind of stuff. Working on balers. There you go. Now, when you when you look at the the maintenance season, and I, I've talked to a lot of folks that say, "What do farmers do?" You know, when they don't have a crop out there, and and I say, "Well, that's called maintenance season." Kind of like uh, we have road construction season <laughs> through most of the summer, and maintenance season for us means trying to find the best deals on replacement parts and looking at what we just can't fix anymore, and we got to buy new, or it's just getting old enough. There's something new that's got some advances. What do you see in in your industry? And you, you talk about the balers and so forth. Is there some new technology coming that's get, getting you interested in upgrading? Oh well, I know here in uh in Louisiana that is uh, a lot of balers are going to uh uh net wrap and manufacturers are really pushing out uh you know 
net wrap on bales. We don't have a problem like people up north does with uh, the net freezing to the crop, you know, when putting it out for feed. So um, uh, I, I think net wrap be a big thing in this area. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's been neat. When Brian and I were young, it was small square bales and oh my goodness, that was a lot of work. And then, then it mm-hmm. went to big round bales on our farm, which, which were some work. Uh, I mean, a little different kind of work, but not as much physical labor, I guess, for us. But then big square bales, like you mentioned, uh, uh, wrapping bales. How about curing bales? I've always been wondering about that. Now, up here, we're not nearly as warm throughout the growing season as what you get and don't have all the humidity that you fight. Are you doing some different things to help the hay dry out? Do you, do you have to crimp it? Do you do some some preservatives or something? Uh, tetters. Um, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't know what a tetter was. <laughs> but now, uh, during the uh, you know time of harvest, we, uh, Ted will knock off, you know, a t- day or two of the drying process. So um, that's been helping us out a lot. And with the weather patterns, you can't get a good five or six days, you know, straight in the rain. So the tetter is really important right now. Yeah, I know that you had to fight a number of hurricanes this year. How did you guys hold up in your area? Uh, we did pretty well this year. We missed them both. Excellent. That's good news. Yeah. I, I was just talking to somebody yeah. uh, this morning that, that didn't miss them. He said uh, one of them went right over his place, but he was really fortunate they didn't have any major damage or anything. But uh, you, you never know. It's kind of unpredictable. And I, I think about just the hay crop for us. I know when we have stuff sitting out in fields or whatnot, it it, it certainly can go south on us. Do you, do you have covered storage or do you just sell stuff directly right out of the field? Or how do, how do you guys do it on your farm? On um, our farm, we uh we do have a hay barn, and um, we also invest in a few of those. Um, I don't know if you've seen them, those uh, uh white tarps. Okay. Uh, yep. Pretty, uh, yeah, covering them in white tarps, and you know, when the old hay barn start leaking, we'll we'll probably, might put a new tin roof on it one day. I don't know. Yeah, all those things. We we needed to repair our barn much sooner, and uh, it ended up getting beyond repair. So, yeah, we haven't always made the best decisions on that. Uh, but, yeah, well, I, I know what you mean. It costs money, and it takes a lot of time and labor, too. Yeah, it does. And also, uh, sometimes it's more important to making sure that baler and tractors uh underneath a good shed sometimes more than just, you know, the hay crop. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The way options. You bet. Well, Cedric, it was good talking to you today and uh, really wish you good luck here heading into this next season and and, uh, happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Same to you, Darren. Merry Christmas. All right, let's head up to New York. So we'll get kind of an opposite end of the country here. Ralph, how how are things going up there? I would assume you're a little bit cooler up there than what Cedric is down in Louisiana. Yeah, Darren, we're uh, we're probably 26 today and had that big snowstorm go through here yesterday, day before yesterday, I guess now, or yesterday, I don't know when it was, it came during the night, but uh, we got about five or six inches. Well, I'm, our farm's probably 30 miles south of Lake Ontario, and up by the lake, they got an inch, but you can go 50 miles south of us, and Binghamton, New York, cut 40 inches. Oh I don't know goodness. how you deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't know how you deal with that. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't either. We've Location. we've got uh, no snow on the ground here, but we've been a part of that lake effect snow, and it's it's pretty interesting. If For anybody listening, if you haven't been around that, it, it can go from no snow on the ground to snowflakes about as big as your hand, it seems like. Yes. We we first moved here to New York from Florida in 1980. We went up to an auction that winter up around Watertown, which is north of us, about 50, 60 miles. As we left Syracuse, we drove up and sun was shining. 
We ran into snow for about three or four miles. Couldn't see to drive hardly. Drove out. The sun was shining again. Went to the auction all day in the sunshine. Started home that night. Same place. Drove into the snow for three or four miles. Drove out. The sun was shining. So it's just a very odd weather phenomenon they have up there with the lake effect. So very different. All right. So we're nearing the end of the year. What are things looking like in your farm? Are you going to be prepaying for some crop inputs before the first of the year? Or are you not too worried about that this year? Nope, we've, we've done that. We had a pretty good year. We were really dry and hot here, but we had decent crops. So we uh, not all of them are sold at this point, which that may be a good thing. But we have already lined up all the seed. I think it's all paid for. We have bought the fertilizer already. There's a 700-ton of lime in a commodity shed waiting to be spread when the ground freezes. Pretty near all the inputs for next year is already paid for. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah, it's it's interesting as we talk to farmers, everybody's got a little different system and, and some guys will say, well, once I start prepaying, then I'm going to have to keep going on that and, and doing it before the first of the year is what I'm getting at. And and I don't know, I just look at what's going to make our farm the most money and, and how do we spread out some of that burden because you never know what you're going to get next year. That That's exactly right, Aaron. We look at, you know, getting that money spent this year so we aren't paying a lot of taxes. We still pay some taxes because we all, all need to do that. But, you know, you have your inputs locked in. You know they're going to be here when you won't get ready in the springtime. So it, it's worth a ton. What's the dairy industry doing in your area? Are guys doing okay? Is there expansion in the market? They're, uh, I think they're still suffering, Darren, <laughs> you know, unfortunately. But they, they are expanding. You know, the big get bigger and the small get out. It's an unfortunate situation, but it's just the way it is. Uh, we have a lot of, in our county here, we have a lot of organic Mennonite dairies, and, and they're really suffering. These big companies don't want to stop and pick up milk. They're charging the, for the time they sit there loading their milk, and they really don't want to be there loading the milk. So the big guys are just adding cows right and left, I believe, around here. So. Yeah, I I like keeping up on things. I know the dairy industry in our part of the world here in South Dakota has really been expanding, and I know we've talked a little bit. There's a, a pretty good-sized dairy that's expanding just north of our farm, too, so always trying to keep up on what's happening in the industry. Well, Ralph, good talking yeah. to you today, and, and I know as you're heading into the end of the year, it sounds like you got a lot of your work done, so maybe get to relax and have a little fun. That's right. Harvest was over early this year. We're going to enjoy it a little bit, so you guys have a Merry Christmas out there. You bet. Merry Christmas to you too as well, Ralph. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on this time of year. And Brian had, had mentioned that uh, um, the last few days here, just how busy it can get towards the end of the year. And I, I think what's interesting, though, too, is you get working with uh, whoever you're farming with. If it's your brother or your dad or your sister or cousins or whoever, sometimes there's a few disagreements. And I know we've got one of those disagreements we want to get to here a little bit later in the show. Uh, Thomas from Minnesota had wrote in. He and his dad were arguing about equipment just a little bit and which way they should go. And I know Brian and I could could speak to this, too, with our dad when when he was about ready to retire. He wasn't as excited about purchasing new equipment as we are. So we'll, we'll talk about Thomas's situation here coming up in just a little bit. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on. 
to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe next spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed treatment from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking to have your seed pre-treated with Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Credit Extreme, the herbicide with dual salt technology that makes all the difference. Faster uptake, quicker rain fastness, and better control in variable weather, something we've all had our fair share of. When you need more powerful weed control for challenges like lamb's quarters and velvet leaf, with excellent safety to round up ready crops, you need Credit Extreme. New Farm and Credit Extreme, here to help. Got resistant weeds? Add Tough 5EC as your post-emergence tank mix partner to deliver the knockout punch to Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Tough 5EC is a selective contact herbicide for post-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds, especially resistant strains. Tough 5EC is manufactured by Beltram Crop Protection, an agrochemical company focused on providing innovative products with strong technical support. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BeltramUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Kansas. We've got Kenny with us right now. Kenny, thanks for joining us. How you guys doing? We're doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. What's going on on your farm? Oh, not a whole lot of anything. We're a little damp to be doing much of anything. Uh, we've got bean harvest all wrapped up. Uh, just waiting to get back in the field, do some fall tillage, and get geared up for next spring. You know, we look at this year on our farm, and it got awfully dry the last part of the season. What was your season like down there? Uh, well, it was really dry. Really dry, and then, uh, oh, about halfway through harvest, we started getting quite a little bit of rain. Um not, I mean, it wasn't too bad. I mean, we we lost some tracks. That uh, the guys that didn't get finished up, they're they're really fighting it now. And then you don't have to go very far north of us, and the neighbors 
you know, ten miles north of us, they're dry, they're they're running anhydrous and doing all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, it's amazing how how things can change in just uh, just a few miles down the road. How uh, okay? So you had a dry year. I'm really curious. How did Milo do? Did you have Milo on your farm this year? No, I did not. Uh, I was 100 percent soybeans this year. Okay. How did the soybeans tolerate the drought then? I know on our farm we probably gave up uh, a good amount of top end on them. Uh, we probably gave up some top end, but we had pretty solid yields. Um, I was I was really pleased we like we averaged a little over 40 across our entire farm and we'd have been we'd have been probably closer to that 50 but we had about three fields that got planted a little bit later that brought it down you know when you think about that see so you, you got surprisingly good yields this year that's awesome what what does it change for next year are you going to do anything different if you you think well we're still fairly drier than a little bit of rain here during harvest going into a dry year again is that going to change what you grow um i think we're going to change up and put a little more corn out or actually we're going to plant we didn't plant any corn so we're going to plant some corn this year um just uh for crop rotation we've been uh some of this ground's three years straight beans so we need to start getting things mixed back up Interesting. our falls yeah our falls here have just been very uncooperative with us uh, as far as um, getting weed in the ground, so that kind of messes our rotations up. Because we'll, what we we'll normally do is uh, do wheat followed with uh, double crop beans, and then where that was, we'll go into the corn or, or milo. Okay. Okay. So coming out of beans for the last three years, then did that? change up what you got for weeds were you able to keep the palmer under control or do you have anything else that broke loose uh you know dicamba does a great job so we're we've been 100 percent dicamba ever since the first year it come out interesting i was just, i was actually just talking to a soybean breeder today who's who's working on the new extend flex with the liberty tolerance in the dicamba beans. Are you thinking about going that way, or are you just super happy with what you got for uh, for extend beans? Um, right now? I'm pretty happy with my extend beans. Um, we're planting a, a Bex seed, and uh, they've got a the five one they've got out is phenomenal for our area. I mean it it handles wet, it handles dry, it handles good soil poor soil it just it's a pretty versatile bean for us that's in our area that's what we need yeah you just don't know what you're going to get like you say this year turned out to be way drier than a guy thought and it could change uh, in a change in a real hurry you never know we we were super wet headed into the season and then oh around uh, mid-july the rain just stopped and i mean we didn't get oh probably from june 30th to the first of september we only got maybe an inch of rain wow yep so evidently uh you know we didn't we didn't work our ground real deep this year we just kind of uh smoothed things up on top best we could uh vt fill cultivator harrow kind of deal and uh i think we just we had a quite a bit of sub moisture that we 
we drawled on this year. Yeah, it was it was interesting. This felt like you mentioned just a few miles away. Guys are able to get things worked up, straightened out, and he got rain just at the wrong time. Well, hopefully things change for you, Kenny, and you get a chance to to get caught up, get back into your normal rotation. But really appreciate having you on. Yeah. Good luck. Yep, appreciate it. Have a good one. You bet. Thanks, Kenny. Let's head over to Illinois. Got Lonnie with us right now. Lonnie, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right, Darren. How are you guys today? We're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. I know we actually got harvest done before a lot of guys in your area this year. I happened to to have to run over into Illinois for something, and and I was like, man, we're actually ahead of these guys for once. How'd you turn out around your farm? Oh, it, it turned out really well. Uh, we finished probably, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, probably, and um we're all no-till, so we don't we don't do any fall tillage or anything like that. So, um, but uh, yeah, everything turned out good, stayed dry, and uh, unfortunately, it's starting to worry us now about how yeah. dry because we just got done putting in some tile uh, yesterday in a place that I've wanted to put tile for twenty years, and it's never either my time hasn't worked out or the weather hasn't worked out or whatever. And we finally, we finally got that project done uh, yesterday. So I was, I was thrilled to get that done, but now I'm wanting some moisture. Yeah. We were in the same boat where we had some tile that we got into areas that we just haven't been able to get into. And, and it was funny because our, our guys in our farm were like, okay, what's next? And Brand's like, tile, tile, tile. If we can tile, let's get in those spots. We haven't been able to get in there. So that's awesome. I'm really glad you did. Cause that's going to pay off for a long, long time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really not a, a major deal, but the, that's what I was telling my son i said we we need to go around and find some other we're, we're doing the cheap the cheap way we're using our backhoe and just backhoeing you know something that's close to a ditch and we don't have to do a lot of a lot of figuring and everything i use a transit and we just kind of go you know every i don't know 10 feet and make sure we're dropping and and do it that way and and uh it's not we're not having we don't have a big enough tractor to pull tile plow so and all the tiling people around are busy anyway so yep you do here for that do what you got to do and it kind of sounds like a little bit like what we were doing is just targeting those problem spots and if we can fix those worst spots up all of a sudden everything starts to look a little better that's right that's right um i do have a couple questions on tiling some of the so our ground is like old yellow clay. At what point will the tile quit working? Because that stuff just gets so packed around there that I, I just I'd be afraid that that's going to finally quit working. And if if that's such the case, would subsoiling help uh, in that area? You know, years down the road or. Yeah, so Lonnie, we've we've put some tile into super heavy clays, and it's worked out just fine. We do worry about fine sand and silt filling tile in, and in terms of the clays, we worry about, yeah, it could be so heavily compacted that the water can't get there. So, for example, in southern Minnesota, we deal with a lot of farmers who have had that issue and then they had to go in and do some subsoiling and then all of a sudden hey the tile works again (laughs) well the tile didn't not work before it's just that water wasn't getting down to that so 
right. yes, that yes, that could be a little bit of a concern. We still need to do whatever we can to minimize compaction out in our fields so we get natural water flow going down. Uh, another thing that we look at quite often is just the calcium level in the soil. We want to make sure we have at least 65 to 75% calcium in a base saturation test. That means we have more porous soil. So just a few things we'd look at. Okay. And then uh, maybe this is a dumb question, but a riser, a riser, uh, can it work in reverse? And <laughs> Probably, probably and, not. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Lonnie, we got to take a quick break. Hang on one second. We'll uh, be right back after this to answer that question. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. The only innovation that matters is the one I need. With NK Seeds, their R&D program actually listens to farmers like me. So I get solutions that solve my challenges. With the support to make them count. Because progress means pushing my potential. And success matters. Push your potential at nkseeds.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, along with my brother Darren. 
It's a Farmer Friday. We would love to hear from you all throughout the show. Our phone lines will be open 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So right before the break, we were talking to Lonnie from Illinois about tiling just a little bit. And Lonnie, I apologize for that. You were asking a question about risers. Uh, so, So what is it exactly that you're looking at here? Well, what I'm looking at is for water to, like, what I've got is I got an incline that comes down and it comes to uh, our, our road. Okay. And I want to keep the tile three feet deep as long as I can keep it and then want it to just come up and go through a culvert. And what I, because we would till all everything else, so I don't want it starting to come above, you know, ground to dump into that culvert too soon. So water coming down, bubble, okay. if you brought a riser and have the water bubble up up the riser instead of go down the riser. Okay, so what a lot of people have done in those situations is they have literally had the tile go back up, and then they call it a forced outlet. So if there's enough water pressure behind it, it pushes the water out. Uh, so right. rather than having a riser, which that's going to be more difficult because now you're going straight up, they've usually just taken okay. tile and and angled it up. Now, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't like either method because my concern gets to be we're going to trap some dirt in there and there's no way to get it out. And so eventually you're going to have to replace that little section of tile. So... Uh, what and I know it costs more money, and I know it, you know, that means you have to work with the downstream neighbor and everything else. But we very often will just bore underneath the road. We we just worked on a deal here. I don't know, just three weeks ago, probably with some new tile that we put in to get it underneath a county road. Uh, that that exact same thing. We did another one this fall where we were underneath. Actually, two of them this fall where we were underneath township roads. But rather than when when we have to do these forced outlets, I just I'm not a fan of them, but it does cost more money to go the other way. I just look at it as, hey, if this tile's in there for 50 years, we're going to spend the money one way or the other. It's just, uh, you know, rather than push the problem onto somebody else like my kids or Darren's kids, I'm trying to solve the problem right now and just spend the money to bore under the road so hopefully my tile line continues to work for 50 years rather than work for 10. Right, I understand. Well, I never thought about the dirt collection. The good thing is the the road that I'm talking about is our own road, so oh. it, it, it's something we can go under and do something like that. Well, so. hey, if it's your own road, then you actually could pull the tile plow through. I don't like to do that because then there's a little bump there for a while, but if it's your own road, then you could certainly do that. That, that would make the most sense to me and get it to the other side of the road at least. But yeah, yeah, you you do you do whatever you want to do. I'm just telling you. I, I mean, if it was me, I would probably use the forced outlet method of bring that tile slowly up. Uh, it, you know, rather than oh, I'm going to just bring it directly to a riser and hope that my water pressure is so high it's going to shoot out like Old Faithful, and uh, I'm going to get some water that ends up going into that uh, that culvert. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds like a winner. Okay. Thanks, Lonnie. Appreciate the call. All right. Thank you. You bet. Let's head up to Minnesota. We've got Dan on with us right now. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good, good. You got any snow on the ground up there? Not 
just a little bit of dusting, um, uh, but no, not really. We did earlier. We had an early October snow, uh, and then that melted. Uh, then we had another small little shot, and that melted. So uh, right now it's just a, a slight dusting. So how are you sitting for moisture in your part of Minnesota? In west central Minnesota, we're sitting well for moisture. Um, uh, it's not an overabundance like we had uh, from a year ago, um, but uh, we're, we're sitting uh, pretty good. We'll have good uh, carryover moisture, uh, topsoil and subsoil uh, going into 2021. So what are you thinking uh, for this next growing season? Corn, soybean mix about the same. And then also, how about traits? What are you thinking about traits in your corn and soybeans? Okay. Um, there, um, I just had a discussion with some of my crop insurance clients. And uh, in our part of the country, the corn on corn this year um, averaged a 50 to 60 bushel per acre um uh, yield drop in comparison to their corn following soybeans. Um, and uh, attributed to two things, a, a cold spring uh, and a hot August. Um, and I don't know if traits can do anything for them uh, regarding that. Have nope. you guys noticed any uh, the same anomaly <laughs> down there? Well, I did hear a lot of guys talk about that. When it got hot and dry, it's like, oh, no. First in the spring, they're fighting residue and cold soils, and then, like you say, it dried out later on, and, and that hurt. That hurt. There's no doubt about that. But that's not saying it's going to be that way this year, but if you're starting out dry, and I know there are a number of areas starting out kind of dry, that makes guys a little hesitant to do a whole lot of corn on corn. Would you say that's a fair statement too, Brian, or you got to just Brian's nodding his head with me? Look, Brian agreed with me, Dan. Do you believe that? That's amazing. Well, that, that's good. That's good. Uh, uh, the other factor is the, the you know the decision uh, uh, guys that – uh, have been doing corn on corn and did experience that 50 uh, to 60 bushel difference. Um, uh, they're thinking of going back to have soybeans and corn. Uh, and I, you know, they're basing, I think they're basing that on, you know, current cash prices. Uh, they should really go out and look at the 21, 21 harvest uh, uh, and, you know, look, look at the different price ratios between corn and beans. Uh, they, they might want to rethink that. Um, uh, but as far as traits uh, going, I, uh, I I don't I don't see a lot of people anxious to try much new. I haven't been hearing much uh, out of producers anxious to uh, you know uh, try anything new for 2021. All right, one thing a little different this year, and I know north of you there was some wind damage. We have talked to a number of farmers who had some green snap issues. Just curious about that from the crop insurance side. Do you see a lot of guys taking the wind insurance, and what are you advising them to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, we're having more and more of that. And uh, up in our neck of the woods, we're seeing the green snap and the wind uh, damage to corn. Um happening to both the traded varieties and the conventional corn. Um, so, uh, yes, and, and we here, we, we encourage them to uh, uh, hail, uh, hail uh, green snap and wind is a piggyback on top of a hail policy. And uh, we've been seeing an increase in those policies um, uh, over the last three years. And so there's more interest in it, and some, when some of the guys bring in these uh, test plots, they say, 
low-cost conventional corn versus the traded corn and not much yield difference, they're thinking, well, you know, maybe I should just go with uh, corn that's not quite as traded, save some money in the seed, and spend that on the extra hail and wind and green snap. Uh, we, do, we, we do see a number of producers adapting that philosophy. All right. When you look at the cost to add those things on, how much how much does it cost per acre for for a grower to add on that kind of protection? You say you have to take hail to piggyback that green snap or wind claim on there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That varies so much because uh, it goes by township. Um, uh, but the cost uh, cost difference to to do that uh, versus the savings in the seed cost per acre uh, it is huge. It's huge. Yeah, definitely a lot of different ways that a grower can go about it. It's it's fun this time of year just to start to run the numbers on things because they obviously change from year to year. We're talking with Dan up in Minnesota who does crop insurance in addition to a little farming too. Dan, great talking to you again. Merry Christmas to you. Okay. Yep. Happy holidays to uh, you and everybody else. Thanks. Yeah, it's interesting as as you start making those decisions and which level of insurance you're going to take and those types of things, we've got a great potential for for profit this coming year, the way the prices have gone. But then again, if you do have some profit, you may debate on which way you want to spend that money. Uh, we're going to get to a question from Thomas here. I teased it a little bit earlier. He's, he's over in Minnesota as well. His dad is disagreeing with him a little bit on which way to go on equipment. We'll talk about that coming up right after this. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker-treated nitrogen. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. 
How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Acre to acre, year to year, generation to generation, nobody scrutinizes performance like you do. And acre to acre, year to year, generation to generation. The consistent performance of Vasgro brand soybeans helps to keep your profitability out in front. Offering leading agronomic expertise and 100% exclusive genetics for strong yield potential. Ask your dealer how much further you can grow when Asgro leads the way. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It is Farmer Friday. There's still time to get your call or question in right now at 844-44-AG-PHD. And I'm kind of glad Thomas sent us an email instead of getting on the phone with his dad so he'd have to settle an argument. Now we can just look at it in black and white here and try and help him out. So Thomas said, I've got a quick question on vertical tillage. I'm from southwest Minnesota. My dad and I demoed a Salford machine now it's a coulter machine, on some acres this fall because we weren't happy with our disc ripper. We absolutely loved the job that it did this fall. However, my dad would still like to get a disc ripper for next fall. I would love to do more of this vertical tillage, but I can't justify buying one for the small amount of acres I farm. It's starting to become a bigger tillage option in our area, and looking down the road, I think this is going to be the norm, but I'm wondering what your opinion is. Could you list some pros and cons of doing this vertical tillage and include some thoughts maybe on fertilizer application and water infiltration? Okay, so first let me say the reason why a lot of farmers liked the disc some of the reasons why a lot of farmers liked the disc ripper. I'll just go back to our dad who liked that soil black. Now, he over time came around to some no-till, strip-till stuff when he saw, oh yeah, there is a lot less erosion. And we do have some highly erodible land and a lot of hills. Uh, not all the ground, but some. Um, and when you're dealing with lots of residue, you want to have that soil in our geography warm up more quickly. Well, you do that by making that ground more black. So there are some big advantages to that whole disc ripping thing, plus the fact when you talk about fertility, well, that actually can help you move fertility down deeper into the soil. Whereas if you're going out there with a Salford and vertical till or basically a Coulter machine, then you don't push the fertilizer down into the soil. You don't make the ground very black. You don't warm it up as much. Certainly you are going to create less compaction out there, but you know, I'm just trying to say there, you can see it from both sides. And that was one of the biggest things that our dad always talked to us about. And he didn't just come right out and say it, that you just have to look at both sides. It was literally whatever side of an argument I wanted to take, he'd take the other side. <laughs> so it was like, I'm always wrong, but that wasn't the point. You know, I felt that way at the time, but the point was simply that you have to open your mind and think about both ends of the spectrum. So I'm not a huge believer in saying there's anything I have to do on the farm all the time. I have to look at each situation and say, well, what's the better tool 
that's going to solve my problem there. Now, we can get by with that better because we farm 3,200 acres, and this isn't day one or year one for us. This is like year 30 for me, okay? So we're in a little different financial position than somebody that's just starting out, and we have enough acres that I can have a disc ripper and I can have a Salford machine if I want to. So, and then I can use them where I, I, I see the best fits. And also it's going to vary a little bit from year to year. So we've had some falls where we just flat out can't get any work done because it's so, so darn wet. Well, there's no way I'm ever going out in the spring with a disc ripper, not on our ground. Uh, and so in that case, then I would want to run something like a Salford and we've done that in the past and it's worked out great. So Anyway, those are the, those are kind of the things that I would look at, and I don't know if I ever answered his question exactly, but he, I think his question was mainly he's just looking for pros and cons. Uh, so, like I say, I could see it both ways, and it all depends on the year and the ground and everything else. Yeah, very different tillage tools, no doubt about that. Yes, for sure. All right, thanks for the question. Really appreciate it. We got this one from Todd in Central Illinois. We got a few different things here. First of all, uh, he wanted to ask a lime question. He said. Uh, in central Illinois, it seems everyone's putting down lime about every five years as the pH just declines over time. We've been raising 250 to 275 bushel corn just using fall anhydrous. I'm wondering, uh, we've got a CEC around 10 to 14. We're usually putting on 200 pounds of anhydrous. wonder if this has anything to do with why our pH keeps dropping. Uh, also wondering yes, anhydrous if- can drop, can, can push your pH down because there is going to be uh, hydrogen that comes out of that, you know, when you, you start talking about NH4, yes, there's hydrogen coming out of that. That will lower the pH a little bit. And you're going to lower the pH even more if the nitrogen is ever overdone. So if you put on enough nitrogen for 250 bushel corn and you get 200, well, you've got excess nitrogen. That drops the pH even more. Sorry, go ahead. Also, he said, just wondering if we get that uh, soil pH to 6.3 to 6.8 and we manage our nutrients correctly, can we get to a point where we don't have to lime every year? Yes, you can. But again, it depends on which nutrients you're going to use. And also, let's not forget, when you have really high yielding corn, that means you have lots of plant mass, which means you have lots of root mass. And roots naturally kick out organic acids. That's just what they do. They're, those organic acids, many people will call them chelating, chelating agents. So when you get some of these nutrients that get tied up fairly easily like phosphorus, the point of the chelating agents is to help bring that phosphorus back into solution that the plant can use. So, I mean, you can lower your your chances that you're going to have to lime, but, you know, it's just like this nitrogen thing. And everybody is talking about, well, how do I dial in the nitrogen just right? Um, I hate to break this to you, but you can't. No one can. You simply can't do it because I don't know how each hybrid's going to perform in the weather conditions on each particular year. I don't know when you're going to get your rain. I don't know how much heat you're going to have. I don't know if a disease or a bug is going to show up late in the season to to damage things. I mean, you can get close, but you're never going to be super perfectly accurate. And I'd rather have too much than too little. I'd rather have 10 pounds too much than 10 pounds too little. The economics look so much better in that. I'm not saying have 100 pounds too much. I'm saying 10 pounds too much. Well, if you have even 10 pounds too much, there's just that much more nitrogen that's going to lower your your pH. So in some cases, we're we're stuck with the fact that, hey, there's going to be a little bit of lime that's going to be needed occasionally. 
But if we balance these nutrients, we do the right things in the soil, hopefully we can really minimize that. All right, so Todd's got a few more questions. He sent us some soil tests. He said, I recently bought this new field just in May of 2020, so I didn't have soil samples. I don't have any farm history from the previous renters, uh, and I planted soybeans in there. I got about 60 bushel beans, which is less than my normal average, but wasn't too bad. This field is not tiled. I have pattern tiled all my other fields. So I'm sending you two and a half acre grid tests and just wondering one part of the field, which here's the yield map, Brian. And one okay. part of the field is high pH, but it actually yielded more. And he's not sure why it's high pH, but that over limed. If there's poor drainage, it's flat on that part of the field and it's hilly on the other part of the field where the pH is in the sixes. Okay. But here, here's the thing. Um, was the, and is this the ground where there's actually more fertility now where the the flat the, stuff no there's more there's more fertility well the, the, on the hilly is, is part it these the soil the tests yes. that you sent yes, yes yeah yes, but yes. you didn't you say it was lower yielding where the fertility looks better yes okay so part of that can be these are tests at the end of the season well if you have poor yield it's going to remove fewer nutrients so that could be a part of it and when you say it's not tiled that's the first thing I'm thinking about all the time. Because what do we always say? Hey, it doesn't matter what you're doing for fertility, weed control, variety selection, all these other things, if you have poor drainage. So it literally could be as simple as that, that, you know what, we need to fix the drainage, and then that will take care of some of our issues out here, and we're going to have more yield. So yes, most of the time where we have better fertility, the pH is in the sixes, all that stuff, then things work out great. Now, here's one other little thing I'll throw out when you talk about, because it was beans, right, Darren? Yep, you said beans. beans. This year, yep. Okay, when you have higher pH, then molybdenum is more available. When you have lower pH, molybdenum is not. Now, molybdenum is a, it, essential. It is absolutely essential for nodulation in, in soybeans. So maybe we had less nodulation because of that, and then that lowered our yield. So even though all the rest of the things look pretty good, you don't have molybdenum on your soil test. You also don't have sodium on your soil test, which I would like to know. Uh, but, I mean, you did have most of the rest of the things, and yeah, it does look like we've got more fertility, and I would say... I mean, if, if somebody just said, okay, everything else is equal except for these fertility numbers, I would go, oh, well, it looks like this should be higher yielding for beans. So I get it. I understand why you're frustrated with that. But those are my first two thoughts. Drainage, molybdenum. Yeah, but it's always a challenge on new ground. And I'm just going to guess, too, Todd, that you probably didn't get soil tests before you bought that ground. And it's one of the things that we think is kind of broken in our system that, hey, if you're going to sell ground, that should just be part of the deal, that it should come with soil test information and perhaps a little background, too. Like you say, if it got over-limed, it'd be nice to know that up front. Well, thanks for all the calls and questions today, and thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.